you should start saying some positive things. Since I've known you, whenever the Braves have come out of your mouth, it's probably been 95% negative. But but do you blame me, though? This time he hits the ball to deep right field. Cody Bellinger has done it. And the Dodgers lead in game seven. Toss to White. He's in. Patriots win the Super Bowl. Think about Loa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Every time I listen to this intro, I actually die a little bit on the inside. And this is not just me being a masochist having this on the first episode of my now retooled podcast. It's more so just illustrating a point that I'm trying to make by not only the creation of this podcast, but just in general. Now, if you're not aware of what these three sound bites you heard are from, there are three instances in the last three years, and honestly, three of the more painful instances where an Atlanta sports team or a team that plays primarily in the state of Georgia, and that being the University of Georgia in this case, has choked in a big game no matter who the opposition is. None of those games featured a Georgia-based team that was the favorite. I don't think Georgia has played Georgia and Atlanta teams have played in any sort of championship games where they have been the favorite. That said, that doesn't take away from the sting that is blowing a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl, blowing a 20-7 lead in the national championship game against Alabama, or blowing a game seven against the Dodgers. Now, yes, none of these teams are home teams, but we're going to talk about the misery that is Atlanta sports fandom all in this show. With that said, folks, welcome to the Peach Pit. I've decided to retool my podcast and have it focus on the state of Georgia and the city of Atlanta. Why? Obviously, if you know me, you know I'm from Atlanta, and you know that is the only thing I talk about 90% of the time. I will not apologize for it. But primarily because in the past, I used this platform, this podcast, as an ability to talk about things that matters, a platform to really amplify the voices of those who need to be heard. And I figured there's really not enough context uh, or content, I should say, on a weekly basis for that to be possible. But there's always there's always something going on with an Atlanta related team. Atlanta going to Atlanta all day, every single day. So I figured, hey, let's use this energy. Let's keep it into a podcast. Keep it going. And here we are. So this is going to be primarily about what it's like to be an Atlanta fan and the weekly update on all things related to teams that play in the peach state. Now that said, by the time you're hearing this podcast, we are just under a week until election day. So please go vote regardless of your political affiliation. Just go vote. Please participate in our democracy. Even though one guy is clearly one that represents values that we as Americans should hold very high the other not so much and i'll let you figure out which which one that is but regardless we're going to talk about what it's like to be a fan of the atlanta falcons the atlanta braves the atlanta hawks and the university of georgia now the one caveat i'll give here is that i actually grew up and i will admit this i grew up not a fan of uga i mean i think i may have said i hate georgia growing up but as someone who left Atlanta to go to college, who moved 2,200 miles away from home all the way out here to Los Angeles to go to college, the one thing that reminds you of home 
and that really grounds you as far as where you're from is not going to be Georgia Tech football. It's not going to be a sport that you follow or something you follow related to Georgia Tech or the ACC. The South is, as the name would suggest, SEC country. And there's no bigger sport in the South than college football, period. Baseball's big, sure, but there's nothing like college football in the South. And which state represents the state of Georgia? Which school, I'm sorry, represents the state of Georgia? The University of Georgia. So when I went to college, I basically, you know, jumped on a barely winning team uh winning teams bandwagon now winning in the sense that they had a winning record not winning in the sense that they actually won something because that would be pretty un-georgia like for a team that plays in georgia to win anything it's just not it's not in our dna and i'll I'll get into that in a little bit but so that's the that's the caveat i'll say but this podcast is going to be all about what it's like to be a fan of those teams and how it is consistent in its heartbreak and the manner in which it happens So, as I record this, it is October 28th, 2020. Last night was the culmination of the Dodgers' what seven-year march to glory. I think Magic took over a little more than seven years ago, maybe eight years, and now the Dodgers have a championship. It came at the expense of a team that blew a 3-1 lead, that absolutely choked. End of story. You could try to spin this as, oh, but they weren't favorites in that game. It doesn't matter. In that scenario, when you are four games into a series, you have played four and won three of them. It doesn't matter who you are. You have to win that series. And if you don't, it's seen as nothing short of a failure. Yes, the Dodgers ended up winning the World Series, but the Braves had the Dodgers three of those four games. They literally won the game. And to come up empty-handed is disappointing to say the absolute least and it's not an uncommon thing to see this happen to an atlanta sports team over and over and over again and that's why this podcast exists that's why every time we come close to doing something fun doing something good winning a championship it 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 all falls short now i will say this Atlanta United is not going to be featured on this podcast because in this country, soccer is not as big as baseball, basketball, and football. It's growing. It's bigger than it used to be. It's bigger than it was when I started watching more seriously in 2013. But ultimately, this is not a country that is going to really care about who wins the MLS. And yes, Atlanta won in 2018, and it was a great great feeling to see a team that plays in the city of Atlanta win a championship at the same time the rest of the country doesn't really care and so what I'll say is Atlanta goes hard for Atlanta United but the rest of the country doesn't and so it doesn't mean as much when they win now you could say well now you're just being picky I mean if you've watched your team blow a 25 point lead in the Super Bowl blow a 13 point lead basically at home in the national championship game blow game seven against the eventual World Series champions and consistently fail in big moments. And in the case of the Atlanta Hawks, you exist. Every single time you are set up for failure. So, you know, 
all all I ask is that I get to see a team from the state of Georgia win a championship. And yes, Georgia won, what was it, the Sugar Bowl last year against Baylor? And it was a good game. This was actually New Year's Day of 2020, I think. But ultimately, you know, it's it's pain. The existence of an Atlanta sports fan is just pain. And, you know, what I like to see Another championship, regardless of who it is, sure. But if it's the Braves, if it's the Hawks, if it's the Falcons, if it's UGA, UGA a little less just because I didn't go to the school, but it's still a team that plays in Georgia. It still has the same effect, and that's why this podcast is called The Peach Pit as opposed to something related to Atlanta specifically because most people, like myself, who are from the suburbs, we're going to say Atlanta, but we're not going to say the actual suburb because it is such a suburban city like LA, just a lot smaller and in the South. So, and also I will note folks, if you notice any change in my voice, I am a little congested. So apologies in advance. If you hear anything that sounds nasally or annoying. That's not the actual content itself. Just the way the content is delivered to your ears on this Wednesday night, Thursday or Thursday, whenever you're listening to this, or, you know, could be years from now, who knows? So with that said, we are officially underway with the first episode of The Peach Pit. Now, why the name? So I've obviously got at this before, earlier, just a few minutes ago, or a few seconds ago, but obviously Georgia being the peach state, I wanted to include something that ultimately can capture what it's like to watch an Atlanta sports team fail, to watch them choke on such a consistent basis. Well, in a peach, what's the one thing you can actually choke on? It's the pit. Hence... The Peach Pit. I know it's a bad pun, but ultimately it sums up what it's like. It can also be taken as in, there's a peach in a pit of despair, and that's where we find ourselves as Atlanta sports fans, regardless of the time of year, the season, or what is going on in the world. Death, taxes, and Atlanta sports team choking when it matters. You know, since 2017, since the Super Bowl, every time a team in the city of Atlanta or in the state of Georgia has gotten even just within within breathing distance, within, within earshot of winning a title. I have become beyond pessimistic because I've, I've seen this happen before and I know how it ends. It doesn't end well and it ends in heartbreak. So I want to break down team by team what the experience has been Predominantly in the last few years since the Super Bowl, but also in general, in my lifetime, what it is like to be a fan of an Atlanta sports team. And we're going to start with, of course, the notorious 28 to threes, the Atlanta Falcons. So if you don't watch the NFL, let me fill you in on a little secret this year. Okay, here it is. The Falcons are bad, really, really bad. That's it. That's the only assessment we have of them. I could honestly just move on to the next team. But it has been such a laughable season through six games. And the Falcons play again in primetime on national television tomorrow night where they are either going to get blown out by a division rival or choke a very close game. There's no in-between anymore. There's chokes and blowouts. There's no, you know... They had a good they had a good comeback. It was a really tight game, but just, you know, they didn't really put anything together. The other team play oh, just outplayed them. That's never the case with Atlanta. 
They're always in the fight until they shoot themselves in the foot every single time. And that has never been more apparent than this year with the Atlanta Falcons. Since the Super Bowl, the Falcons have not been a good team. They have been a playoff team once the season after the Super Bowl, the 2017 season, where they went to the first round, won a playoff game. They beat the Rams and then got basically, I don't even know what to call it, but they they lost in the last play of the game to the Eagles. They had a chance to win it, and they blew it against the eventual Super Bowl champions. That's gonna be it's, it's gonna be a recurring theme. So keep an eye on that phrase, "eventual champion." The next year, seven and nine, not a great year. Couldn't really get anything going. Lost some close games. Won some games. Just was inconsistent all throughout. Last season, at one point, I believe the team was, I don't know. Two and nine, three, three and eight. I, it was it was bad. They had a really bad record, and only by going on a really good run towards the end of the season did the team finish a mighty seven and nine. I get it. My team has been to the Super Bowl. I've watched my team play for a championship in my lifetime. That's more than a lot of fans can say. But ultimately, and this is something that I want to turn against my brother because he's the one who gives me a lot of grief for this. So Ian. Thanks for giving me content for the podcast. You watch sports to win. You want to see your teams win. You watch to be entertained, sure. And you care about maybe the social justice implications, like I do, of athletes and using their platform to bring about meaningful systemic change in the world, or at least attempting to do so, to leave it better than they found it. We'll put it that way. But when your team loses, and loses in the way that Atlanta teams do, you just get so jaded at watching that the next time they're even good, you just go, here we go again. Same old story. Now, I will acknowledge that there are other teams, just in general, that have had bigger droughts or more laughable experiences than the city of Atlanta. Namely, the city of Cleveland with the Browns, the Indians playoff or the Indians World Series drought. I'm sorry, extending well, well into the 60th, 60th year, 60 uh, late 50s, early 60s, maybe. I'm not 100 percent on that. I'm sure Willie, my co-host for Hot Takes Only, can correct me on that. And he's also one I have to thank for the soundbite at the beginning. This is what you heard at the very beginning was actually a soundbite of him. He and I talking about the Braves and me being incredibly pessimistic about the Braves' chances this year. And him saying, you should say something positive for once. And, you know, I, I don't like to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I knew this was going to happen. It's a, Yes, the Braves surprised me in the manner in which it happened. But just the fact that it happened and the way that it happened, when it happened, to me, was the most gut-wrenching part. And it's always the most gut-wrenching part. But back to Cleveland. They have an NBA title. They have produced... You know, obviously, this doesn't apply to fans really because they don't they don't train players. But one of the greatest basketball players of all time, in LeBron James, is from Cleveland. Atlanta doesn't really have that or have an NBA championship as the Atlanta Hawks. They have one when they were the St. Louis Hawks back in the fifties. But we're talking about the Atlanta Hawks, the team that plays downtown. It's 
it's sad when you think about the existence that has been being an Atlanta sports fan. Yes, I will acknowledge there are other cities that claim to have it worse and that may well have it worse. But not only have the Falcons become the absolute laughingstock of the NFL, they have really defined what it means to be an Atlanta sports fan because the same occurrence happens every single year. There is a slim or even great chance that Atlanta could win a championship. If there's even a just a slim chance, they're going to blow it. If there's a good chance, they're also going to blow it. They could be the favorites in any game they play in. If it's a championship game or if it's a game of real consequence, they are statistically more likely to blow it than not. Yes, I will acknowledge also we haven't seen a situation where an Atlanta sports team is the absolute favorite, at least not since the 90s when the Braves were at their peak. And we'll talk about the Braves in a little bit. But again, the Falcons this year have defined what it means to be an Atlanta sports fan. And the very definition of that existence can be described by one word, and that's pain. Plain and simple. So, back to the current season. The Atlanta Falcons are currently 1-5. And, and tomorrow night, Thursday night, they will be playing the Carolina Panthers on Thursday night football in Carolina. And they are going to lose. I could be wrong. They could win a big game. This could be a huge momentum shift. But as it stands right now, the Falcons should not be 1-5. They should be 4-2. Plain and simple. The Atlanta Falcons this year have had three games where in the fourth quarter, according to ESPN's probability index, they had a 99% or better chance to win the game. All the way up to 99.7, I believe, was the Dallas game. And they ended up losing all three games. All All games were just lost in the most hilarious fashion. And everyone who has ever been a fan of a team that plays in the state of Georgia, knows exactly what I'm talking about when I say, yeah, we saw this coming. We absolutely saw this coming. It has gotten to the point where I'm almost scared to watch Atlanta play because I know over the course of a season, they could be really good. They could go to a, you know, in the case of football, they could go to a NFC uh, NFC title game. They could go to the Super Bowl, but the outcome is going to be the same. They're going to choke in a hilarious way. And it'll be like this, I don't know for how long, but we just, for some reason, can't have nice things. It's not fun. It sucks. I'm not asking for pity. I'm just explaining from my perspective as a sports fan, basically my entire life, you know, from the age of, what, five or six until now, that it sucks. It hurts. It has still hurt. To this day, and it will continue to hurt until Lord knows when. Let's go back a few years. So, in 2012, the Falcons under Mike Smith were playing some of the best football that Falcons fans had ever seen. Matt Ryan playing well. Tony Gonzalez, Hall of Fame tight end, just past the peak of his career, but still Tony Gonzalez. Roddy White the former franchise leader in receptions, doing his thing. The team was good. It was really good. So good that they actually got out to a massive lead 
against the San Francisco 49ers. Guess how that game ended? Colin Kaepernick ran all over the Falcons in the second half, and they lost 28-24. to Yes, that Niners team was very good, but so were the Falcons. The Falcons were 13-3 that year. They were the number one overall seed. And what happened? They, they choked it. They choked it, plain and simple. The next couple years, things aren't going great. And then Mike Smith eventually, after the 2014 season, gets fired. In comes Dan Quinn. 8-8 eight eight the first year. Okay, not bad. 11-5 the next year with Kyle Shanahan as offensive coordinator. Yeah, okay, 11-5. Lost some games they really should have won, but ended up in the playoffs. Beat Seattle. Beat Green Bay, both in very convincing fashion. And on that fateful day in February 2017, they became the ultimate laughingstock in playoff football. They became the 28 to threes, not the Falcons. No, no, the 28 to threes, because now that scoreline will always be synonymous with the only team that has ever blown a 25 point lead in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So why? How'd that happen? What what did they do wrong? Well, if you want to go back and watch the highlights from that game, there's a comedy of errors from the Falcons that led to the Patriots winning that game. And yes, it's mostly self-inflicted, but there are moments where Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the Patriots showed why they won six rings. They're a very good football team, and you do have to give them some credit. But the other bit of it, and this is something that I will still talk about to this day, comes down to a one Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan is the quote-unquote footballing genius, or football genius, I guess, in the NFL. With his outside zone scheme, you got the Falcons playing some of the best offensive football. They're the best scoring team in the league, highest scoring team in the league. And they stomped on two very good teams in Seattle and Green Bay. And they got out to a very good lead against a very good Patriots team. But what was the one thing that was missing from that game when the Falcons had a 25-point lead in the second half of the Super Bowl? Oh, that's right. Burning the clock. Running out the clock. Doing everything you can to make it so that you cannot beat yourself. And what happens? The Falcons beat themselves. And the Patriots took full advantage of every tiny mistake made by the Falcons. Whether it's Devontae Freeman missing his block that led to a strip sack. Or Julian Edelman's miracle catch that should have been intercepted by someone. Someone in the secondary. Three Falcons defensive backs. All converging on the ball. And the guy who catches it keeps it maybe two millimeters off the ground. I, I don't care who you are. It's painful. It's, it's incredibly painful to have to watch that over and over and have people remind you that your franchise, your city will always be associated with blowing a 25-point lead in the second half of the Super Bowl. Not even the full second half. It was a little more than a quarter. So I get it. Other cities may have it worse. Their teams may not make the playoffs. And 
they say, look, you made the playoffs. That's something to celebrate. Right. That is true. But when you get so close to the promised land so consistently and you choke every single year, at what point do you just go, eh, we're never going to win. It's this. It's basically the same thing. The outcome is always the same no matter how good the team is, no matter how well they're playing. It's in the DNA of every team that plays in the state of Georgia. It's pain. That's all it is. And I wouldn't wish it on anyone to have their team become the choke artist that every team in Atlanta is. But that's just that's just the way it is. Let's move on to the Braves, shall we? Our most recent artists when it comes to the act of choking. Now, the team of the 90s, according to Bob Costas, when the Braves won the World Series, actually 25 years ago today over the Indians. And yes, that's going to hurt Cleveland fans, but they came back on the Warriors in one of the most historic series ever by LeBron James. LeBron James is from Cleveland. That's all you need, period. Just, uh, it, it doesn't make sense to me, but we're going to keep going. So October 28th, 1995 is the last time the Braves won a World Series and the last time the city of Atlanta outside of Atlanta United saw a championship. To this day, it is still the only championship of the big three sports in the city of Atlanta. Why that's the case? Honestly, who knows? Because from 1991 to 2005, and this is not including, obviously, the 1994 MLB season, which was strike-shortened, the Braves won 14 division titles in a row. 14 in a row. You got to be thinking, yeah, they they created a dynasty. They became, they were the best team in baseball all year. All that time. 14 years. That's an incredible run. They had to have won more than one World Series, right? Nope. Even the legendary trio of John Smoltz, Greg Maddox, and Tom Glavin could not prevent Atlanta from being Atlanta. And... When you consider the fact that all three of those men are now Hall of Famers, managed by a Hall of Fame manager in Bobby Cox, you have to wonder, wow, this city must be cursed or something. I mean, were the stadiums built on top of Native American burial sites? Or was the city built on top of Native American burial sites? Or what, what, what's, the, what's the issue here? How does this keep happening? Honestly, if you know, please let me know. Because I can't figure out why. None of my friends can figure out why. At least my friends who are still Atlanta sports fans can figure out why. And... Honestly, it sucks. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Let's fast forward to 2012, shall we? Chipper Jones, one of the best switch hitters of all time, one of the best players of all time, solid defensive third baseman, great hitter. In his final season with the Braves, 2012, get to the wild card game against the Giants, or the NLDS against the Giants, I'm sorry. Or no, sorry, 2012, the wild card game against the Cardinals. I'm getting my years mixed up. Braves are leading in the game. They're playing well. It's a close game. And Cardinals have a pop fly in shallow outfield just outside the just outside the, the infield. Or I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm telling the story wrong. There's a fly ball to the middle of the outfield. You're thinking, okay, yeah, they're not going to catch this. It's a little blooper. It's going to fall in between the shortstop and the second baseman. Yeah, cool. It's in the outfield. Whatever. Apparently, according to... Some umpires, and this was before instant replay, of course. That was an infield fly. 
a ball that was hit to the outfield is somehow an infield fly. That particular call, not self-inflicted for once, killed any momentum the Braves had in that entire game, and they ended up losing. Yes, they had their chances to win the game, but when you have a single solitary play that crushes any sort of momentum that you get in any sport, you're going to be devastated by it. I'm sorry. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And yes, the Cardinals ended up going to the next round. I think they went to the championship series that year. But ultimately, it resulted in more heartbreak for the city of Atlanta. The very next year, 2013, team's great. 96 wins. Both Upton brothers, BJ at the time, now Melvin Jr., and Justin Upton playing really well. Craig Kimbrell in the back end of the bullpen. Jason Hayward is really turning into the young star we thought he would be. Andrelton Simmons is coming to his own as a young gold glove winning shortstop. And the team wins 96 games. And what happens? They run into the behemoth that was and still is to this day, the Los Angeles Dodgers. And they end up losing in the first round. Same, pardon my language, same shit, different day. Fast forward ahead to the next year, and the Braves are okay. They tie for second in the division. 79 wins. They don't they don't have a winning record, but, you know, look at them next year. It's a, just a bad year. It happens. It happens. Injuries, just bad performances. It happens. It's, it's sports. It's a long season, baseball specifically. Braves management, led at the time by John Hart and John Coppolella, decide to do the unthinkable and blow up the entire franchise. They trade away both Uptons, Craig Kimbrell, Jason Hayward, and Andrelton Simmons. They traded the entire core of the Atlanta Braves in one offseason. The return for those players hasn't exactly netted anything good. The trade of Hayward to the Cardinals was a one-for-one. One. In return came Shelby Miller who spent a year in Atlanta and lost, I think, 17 games that year and then was traded to Arizona for Dansby Swanson and a few other players. The Kimbrell deal, I think Kimbrell and BJ Upton were shipped out to San Diego, or maybe it's Justin Upton, shipped out to San Diego, and it brought back um, it brought back Max Fried. Cool. Fried's part of the team now. He's going to be a big part of the rotation going forward. Cool. Yeah, one piece. The year after they won 96 games to, to do something like that. And for the next four years, continued to be unwatchable. 67 wins in 2015, 68 wins in 2016, and 72 wins in 2017. On top of all this, they bear the cost of moving to an entirely new stadium miles away from downtown Atlanta. I mean, we're not, we're not even talking about the Atlanta Braves at this point. They play so far away from the city of Atlanta that you could it could literally take you an hour and a half in bad traffic to get from downtown to the Braves' new stadium. And distance-wise, it's not all that far, but Atlanta traffic, is it, it can get bad. What I'm getting at is basically the Braves have had a rough stretch since 2005. And you'd think, yeah, okay, 2018, they're back on top. Back in the playoffs, yeah, they lost to the Dodgers, but the Dodgers went to the World Series the year before. Okay, cool, whatever. Young core, Acuna, Albies, guys really coming to their own. You'll love to see it. It's a team that's building for the future. 2019, 97 wins. 
Okay, yeah, we, we like how this is going. We like this. It's an even series against the Cardinals. Blow a couple chances in St. Louis to kill the series off. But, you know, game five back in Atlanta. This is what we're all about. We got this. Last October, in game five, in an elimination game at home, the Atlanta Braves wrote their names in the history books. But not in a good way. Because they gave up 10 runs in the first inning of an elimination game at home. The game was over before the third out was recorded in the first inning. The top of the first inning, mind you. So, really, what is the point of watching the Braves, of watching the Falcons, of watching the Hawks? What's the point? There, there is none. But at the same time, I myself and many others remain loyal to the state of Georgia and the city of Atlanta. But boy, are those teams testing our patience. I gotta, I gotta hand it to you. They, they, know how to, they know how to test one's patience. I'll give them that. And, of course, circling back to this year, 2020, the Braves losing to the Dodgers in Game 7, thanks in large part to a couple of serious mistakes by Atlanta pitching, one of the strengths of the entire team, the entire season. And that was the reason they lost a solo home run to tie the game by Kike Hernandez and the eventual game winner by Cody Bellinger the very next inning. So, in short, the Braves have been disappointing. They've been good. They've been bad. They've been really good, and they've choked. Falcons, really good, really bad, disappointing, also choked. The same can kind of be said for the Atlanta Hawks. Kind of, but not really. So let's start, let's start in my youth, shall we? Before the age of 10. <laughs> this, is, this is when it gets fun. In the season from 2004 to 2005, the Atlanta Hawks won 13 games. Won 13 games in an 82-game season. As a winning percentage of 159. One of the absolute worst teams ever. Not just in the NBA, just ever. Not that season, not the conference, not the division, ever. Okay, the next year, they double that. They win 26 games. Cool. They have a 317 winning percentage. Okay, and then starting in 2007, they start to build something. They make the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Cool, since 98-99. And they lose in the first round to the team that won the title, the Boston Celtics. Cool, yeah, that's fine. Bear next year, playoffs. Yeah, beat the Heat in a tight series and ended up losing in the next round to LeBron James and the Cavaliers. Okay, that happens to everyone. It is what it is. Next season, same thing. Playoffs, win a tight series in the first round, and lose in the second round. Yes, the Orlando Magic that year went to the NBA Finals, and they were a good team, but to get swept by that team, disappointing, of course. Always disappointing. It's a common theme if you haven't noticed by now. Very next season, first round exit, Season after, same thing. Season after, same thing. So at what point At what point does making the playoffs even matter anymore if your team just doesn't show up in the playoffs? I get it. People are going to be angry in the comments section and they're going to be mad at me on social media. But you have to have felt what it's like to see your team not only be consistently bad and consistently terrible, but also be a team of serial chokers. We get the best of both worlds in Atlanta. And we get that to ourselves. No other city has it this bad, this many chokes. 
And then we, let's talk about 2014-15. Team wins 60 games. First overall seed in the Eastern Conference. You think, yeah, okay, this team can go places. This team's a really good team. What, what happens that season? Well, they beat the Nets in the playoffs in the first round. Cool, cool, okay, getting somewhere. Oh, cool, yeah, then they beat the Wizards in the next round. Okay, conference semis, here we go, here we go. Conference finals, first trip to the, potential first trip to the NBA finals in Atlanta's history since they've been in Atlanta. But uh, what happens after that? They get swept by LeBron James again. And again, I get it. He's one of the best players in this generation. But you got you to gotta show some life. You got to show some will to win. Show, show us that you actually kind of maybe somewhat care. No, just came out lifeless. I get it. LeBron's one of the, ba- one of the greatest of all time. But you got you to gotta show some fight if you are the number one team in the East. It's, it's just bad. It's really bad. And since then, it's been kind of just a downhill downhill ascent. They went from the first seed that year, fourth overall the next year in the East, fifth the year after. Since then, 15th, 12th, and 14th. In short, the Hawks are bad. They have a young core now, and they're building. They're building something that could be great or could be terrible. Who knows? They traded the rights to Luka Doncic for Trey Young. Maybe Travis Schlank is trying to build Warriors 2.0 in the Eastern Conference. Maybe he is. We'll see in a few years. But right now, even if the Hawks, let's say three years from now, in the year 2023, get to the NBA Finals or tip off the 2023-2024 season with a lot of hopes to win a title. Trey Young is finally a, he's finally done being a young player. He's one of the established stars in the league. And what happens? Okay, yeah, maybe they win. Maybe they win 55 games. They make the playoffs. They make a run at it. They're going to choke again. And if we're listening to this in the year 2023 or whenever it is in the future, we're going to know that Atlanta was bad. Plain and simple. Bad in the playoffs. Bad when it matters. It's good to be, you know, good in the regular season. Of course, you want to make it to the playoffs, but you have to win in the playoffs too. It's not, season's not over after the regular season. It's like that in English football, but that's a different story entirely. And obviously we talk about that a lot in Hot Takes Only, which you should listen to if you don't already. Subtle, shameless plug for uh, for the self there. But anyways, I digress. Watching the Hawks play basketball has been painful. And yes, I've been to a couple of playoff games that they won, but they actually never, they never actually did anything after that. You know, it's it's one of these things that, it eats at you over time because you just lose any optimism you have, any sense that, yeah, this could be good. Cool. Okay. I like this. Yeah, no, we could win a championship. And they just, they kick you in the groin. They maybe shit on you a little bit and uh, set you on fire. You being the hopes and dreams of winning a championship. And just you as a fan, metaphorically, of course. So all that to say, that it's not fun being an Atlanta sports fan. And throughout this throughout this show, we'll get into the details of certain teams, whether it's the Falcons, whether it's the Braves, whether it's the Hawks or University of Georgia. Right now, it's going to be kind of football-centric. It's going to be the Falcons and UGA, but it's going to be the same thing over and over again. Atlanta, gonna Atlanta. Or as I put it on Twitter earlier today, 
Atlanta going to ATL because that's three quarters of the phrase Atlanta going to Atlanta because they only show up for three quarters anyway. So that's the, the crux of being an Atlanta sports fan. That is the essence of what it's like to have your heart broken every single year in a different way, mind you. Sometimes it's just being outplayed. Sometimes it's shooting yourselves in the foot. It's mostly shooting yourselves in the foot. Let's be honest here. But, you know, sometimes you just, you just can't get. I want to briefly touch on UGA before we wrap up here today. We've gone through every major sport in the city of Atlanta. We're not going to talk about Atlanta United in this podcast because this is really what it's like to be an Atlanta sports team holistically focusing on obviously the big three sports. Now you could get mad at me for ignoring a championship in your city, but at the same time, do, do look at yourself in the mirror. Do you care about MLS on the whole? Did you care before Atlanta United existed? If the answer is yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I apologize. But if the answer is no, then I have a point here. The city cares about Atlanta United. The rest of the country just doesn't. They get, the country, by and large, does not care about soccer. At least, not even domestic soccer. International soccer? Sure. There's a ton of Real Madrid and Barcelona fans in this country. There's a ton of Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea. I hate to say it, Manchester City. And Chelsea fans in this country. But are there people who well and truly care about the MLS on that level? No. And do they outnumber those who care about football or basketball or even baseball on that level? No, of course not. So we're not going to give it the the kind of recognition. If MLS in a few years is able to raise its game and resemble more of a professional league, then sure. Why not? But the quality of MLS soccer right now is so low that I don't even think it's worth mentioning. So I, I'm honestly not going to get into it a whole lot. But, you know, if you want to get mad at me about that, sure. My DMs are open on Twitter and Instagram. All, the, all that's going to be in the, the description of this video. Make sure you go check those out for some consistently fire takes about Atlanta sports. And it's not just the same take every year. It's the how that gets that, that gets different. The what is always going to be Atlanta sports team loses in big game. It's never going to be the same as far as how they lose in a big game. So keep your eyes, keep your eyes on that social media presence, if you will. So before we get out of here, university of Georgia, the dogs. So let's start from 2013. When my first year in college, Todd Gurley was the man, had a great year, and tears his ACL. Okay, that, you know, Georgia had a chance of being a good team under Mark Rick that year, but lose Gurley, and he goes to the NFL the next year and gets taken still in the, the high in the first round by the Rams. Okay, year after, mm, not all that good. Same, same shit, different day. Team puts together a really good season, a pretty good season. Not great, not amazing, but a good season. Can't get it over the line or can't even compete for a title. And then let's fast forward a couple years to 2016 and Kirby Smart is hired as head coach. Okay, Kirby played for the Dogs in the, early, in the late 90s. He coached under Nick Saban in Alabama. You're thinking, yeah, he's going to bring an Alabama-type approach to Georgia. That's what Georgia needs, that killer instinct, that approach. And yeah. He did. In year two, he brought the dogs to the Rose Bowl, the first round of the college football playoff, and they beat Oklahoma in an all-time classic. They won a close game that kind of means something. Yeah, it's the Rose Bowl. But ultimately, it's overshadowed by what happened to the dogs that year in the championship game when 
in quintessentially a home game. Effectively, a game, a game in the Falcons Stadium in downtown Atlanta. Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The Arthur Dome, as I call it. A predominantly Georgia crowd ends up watching their team blow a 13-point lead at home to a rookie quarterback, a freshman quarterback who had not played a single down that year. Or if he did, it was in garbage time. Tua Tagovailoa. Obviously, he was a Heisman contender. Every year he was a starter at Alabama. He became a starter very next year. He has one of the best arms, I believe, of the college football class. And I think he'll be a solid NFL quarterback. But it's still pretty sad when you realize that on the bench is a freshman quarterback who has no experience under his belt to speak of in the biggest game in college football to brings a team back from that. Yes, it's only a two-score advantage. But at the end of the day, it's a choke by the dogs. That There's no way to sugarcoat it. The dogs choked. They got beat on second and 26, and obviously that was the the clip you heard at the beginning of this podcast. Second and 26, and they get beaten in resounding fashion by a throw by Tua to Devontae Smith. And, you know, the, the narrative continues. Teams that play in the state of Georgia are just cursed. That's, <laughs> to me, that's really all there is to it. We're just cursed. But, you know, Georgia this year, they looked good. No real identity as far as who's going to be quarterback. No asserted, you know, this is our guy. Jamie Newman, the transfer from Wake Forest, was supposed to be Georgia's starting quarterback this year, but ultimately due to the pandemic, he decided to opt out and focus on his preparation for the NFL draft. I don't blame him. Honestly, I don't. But it leaves Georgia in kind of a sticky situation. So they bring on JT Daniels from USC, a transfer, and they have Stetson Bennett as well. And Bennett, after the first couple games, really reveals himself to be Georgia's guy. He's, he's the quarterback now. He's the quarterback of this football team. And against Alabama, in the second half alone, he had three interceptions in a game that Georgia was in for a whole half. They were in the game, and it was close. It was close enough where maybe one or two mistakes could cost Georgia the game. And, oh, one or two mistakes did cost Georgia the game. Huh, how about it? That sounds familiar. A team that plays in the state of Georgia? Ah, they can't perform big moments. Just don't even don't even watch. Save save yourself some time if you are if you are a Georgia fan, if you're an Atlanta fan, you know how this is gonna end. You've seen it before. And honestly, we're not gonna stop seeing it, in my personal opinion. But anyways, I know this is gonna sound like sour grapes. This whole podcast, the premise of this this forty-five plus minutes of content is gonna sound like sour grapes. It's gonna sound like whining, and it is, but can you blame me? Honestly. For someone who's watched his team go from Super Bowl contender to laughing stock of the NFL in the span of three years. It's it's not fun. And yes, I get it. Browns fans, they're they can say they've been the laughing stock of the NFL for forever. But you know, let's let's blow a 25 point lead in the Super Bowl and then give me a call back because the Falcons have never historically been how you say good ever. The Browns have six NFL championships, or however many they have. It's more than it's more than the city of Atlanta, the entire city of Atlanta. So, you know, I get it. It's history, but at least you have that to fall back on and kind of be like, you know what? We're bad now, but historically, we've been good. We're going to get back. We're going to get there. 
With Atlanta, we don't have that history. None of those teams, really. Maybe the Braves. Maybe. You know, the Dogs won in the 1980 National Championship. Or 19, was it 1985? 80 or 85? I can't remember off the top of my head. Dogs won the championship. Herschel Walker uh, won the Heisman that year. I think he won the Heisman anyways. Anyways, it's getting off topic. But I want to wrap this show by basically saying that you should be looking forward to some of the content that is gonna that you're going to hear. We'll have a weekly breakdown of all things Atlanta, all things related to teams that play in the state of Georgia. Hopefully we'll have the Atlanta Hawks coming back soon because, you know, they should be playing by now in a regular year, quote unquote. But obviously due to the pandemic, everything got pushed back a couple months and they are looking at a December tip off for the NBA, but nothing's been decided yet. Falcons are in season and they're in postseason form, choking three huge games in hilarious fashion. Uh, and Georgia's already choked a big game this year. They beat Auburn, though, so that's nice. It's, it's always a good season when you beat Auburn. Uh, really, just now it's about beating Florida, which I believe is in two weeks. I'm still congested, and I think we're going to wrap the episode up here. This was a good little intro into what you're going to expect in this show. And as a reminder, this is going to be a weekly show. We'll talk about social justice issues as they come up. It'll be... Not something that ignores things that happen in the world because, you know, as I've said before, and I used to say on the other show, we don't live in a vacuum. So you can't expect me to give you takes that aren't connected in some way to the world, uh, at least, you know, offering my my views as, as maybe something to think about. But, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to think. I'm just going to provide some information, provide a platform, and we'll have a discussion one way or another. And that applies to society, that applies to sports, that applies to all of us. So anyways... That'll do it for me here on episode one of the Peach Pit. Keep it right here for all things Atlanta sports related. It's not always positive. In fact, it's usually never <laughs> never positive, but it's always entertaining. The takes are always here and they are here to stay. So if you would like to get in touch with me on social media, they're all in the description of this. It's Boba Poppy on Twitter, Boba Poppy Official on Instagram, and Boba Poppy on Twitch, which is usually where I will be live streaming these. This is the exception, though. I wanted to have a clean run through. And just because I'm a little congested today, I wanted to be able to have a little better control over the things that you hear on the podcast. So, but these will regularly be live streamed on Twitch, probably Wednesday evenings around 830 Pacific time, at least throughout the pandemic. You know, if, if this continues when we're out of the pandemic, we'll we'll adjust. But for now, we're focusing on the interim and Twitch is the best place for all things related to not only this podcast, the Peach Pit, but also hot takes only. Be sure to check that out. We are live streaming that tomorrow on Thursday, October 29th, about nine o'clock Pacific time. Make sure you tune in for that for a broader view at the world of sports, focusing on baseball and football. That is world football. So. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the content. Be sure to get in touch on social media and we'll see you next time.